Hello and welcome to the Edge of the Box Football Podcast, the show where we aim to challenge football convention with thought-provoking and outside-the-box points of view. Is Pep Guardiola going stale? Difficult to tell when a 4-0 whomping of the champions is sandwiched between a couple of mediocre league defeats. But is the bald fraud really a bald fraud? Or does he have what it takes to flip-flop the tabletop and use his burgeoning city crop to put a stop to Jürgen Klopp who looks like a German Iggy Pop? Oh God, somebody pay me for this! Elsewhere, we're discussing uh, Maurizio Pochettino, uh, Paris Saint-Germain's fragility in Europe and the use or overuse of the term Wonderkid. And as always, feel free to let us know what you think afterwards on Twitter. Find us at Edge of the Box Pod. I'm your host, Harry Brent. Right, firstly, um, there was one thing I thought I'd bring up because it bugged me. I saw um, in the aftermath of... Um, the Leicester, the Chelsea Leicester game, that somebody wrote an article. Ngolo Kante um, has been returned to his natural position of holding midfield, and you can, and it's just you know you can see the way it's benefiting Chelsea now, um, and you know it's it's absolutely best for everybody. And I just it just frustrates me. It doesn't matter how many times any you know I, I seem to say it to my seven Twitter followers. Um, the man is not a holding midfielder. He never has been. And to suggest that it's, be- it's his best position is just completely missing the point. But what do you guys think? No, I, I agree. I think even at Leicester, he's not. He's never been a holding mid. He's a, he's a player that likes to roam and put out fires wherever they may be and take the ball off mm. players. And he's not, he doesn't stay in, he's not like a Fernandinho or Rodri that just stays in that stagnated one position he likes to mm. sort of roam about I think he's someone that you put on, alongside a holding midfielder to really bring the best out of him someone who will just stay in that one position while he can mm. just go off and do what he does best do you reckon he gets like an, a sort of understandable but unfair um, comparison to Makalele just because obviously both both French both Chelsea and, and that was the position he you know he certainly was a uh, in you know, he played the Makalele role was his thing, um, which was absolutely holding, sitting. Um, do you think that? Do you think that's why he gets he gets compared? Because I mean, he just if you just watch him, he's not. He's just not a. I, I guess I guess the difference is you know we've tradi- we traditionally associate tackling midfielders with being holding midfielders, even if they're you know like and that's what Kante is. That is first and foremost, he's like a tackler, isn't he? Like a sh- or you know, in a football manager sense, he's a shuttler. Mm-hmm. But but um, yeah, I, uh, Zola, um, he was our um, assistant manager last year, and he was um, I can't remember what the the name of the um, station is, but it's the one with Richard Keys and Andy Gray. And um, again, they 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 sort of reiterated this point. They said, "Isn't you know Ngolo Kante playing so much better now that he's in his natural position?" They were asking him, "Do you think that was a mistake Sarri made when playing Jorginho?" in that position instead of him. And quite rightly, Zola was just like, look, that was a complete misunderstanding of what, of what Sarri did. He, you know, the position that Jorginho played is not a position that Kante has ever played. Um, and yeah, it just seems to be something that is, um, is reiterated, as you say, and, um, the, at Leicester, drink water was the, well, it wasn't, there wasn't particularly one sitter, but if there was, if it was between Kante and drink water, it would have been, uh, certainly would have been drink water over Kante. But anyway, I think his best midfield partnership was um, with Matic under Conte. Mm. He was that team was incredible, and that partnership I think just complemented each other so well because you had Matic just staying in front, just trying to break up play, but then that allowed mm. and gave Kante the license just to to roam and to just get the ball off players and then just mm. distribute it to whomever. Yeah, the, the oh sorry, got Roko. Okay. I suppose he's. he's like to say he's a holding midfielder, like he he's got attributes of, of that, but he's he's a lot further up the pitch. He's more of a poacher and he's he reads the game incredibly well where he can intercept that little bit further up the pitch and then start the counter attacks. Yeah, he's 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 got that's it. He's like he's definitely he can definitely offer more than than um than a, your traditional holding midfielder. Well, again, he's not a holding midfielder, but you, than your traditional holding midfielder would. And um, I still do think though that like um when you know he has been played in, in a slightly more advanced 
midfield role under Sarri and Lampard, but only because of the way that the, the system works with a 4-3-3, which is, again, something he's never played in until Sarri came along. Um, or at least, not, certainly not for Leicester and, and Chelsea, he didn't play in that, in that system. But again, because he's got licence to go forward, you sort of see him forward more than you do more than you might do sitting which is slightly different than when you operate in a two and I think it slightly reduces his because his best qualities are his tackling ability his as you say Roe his ability to read the game and put fires out um so I can see why people would would sort of come to the conclusion that oh you know he'd be better in the position that Jorginho is playing but I think it's a it's a misinterpretation of of what happened there was a time actually when Conte first came in in, you remember that period when we, we weren't playing so well enough and then our Arsenal beat us, what was it, 3-0 or 3-1? And then that inspired us to change the system to a yeah. three at the back. And thank you, because that, yeah. <laughs> that set us on our way. Um, we won the title after You're that. welcome, Harry, you're welcome. <laughs> but um, for that, I remember for that initial um, first six or seven games, he was, um, Conti, because he was playing, I think he was playing a four, he was playing like a, um, it was like a 4-1-4-1, four, one, four, one, I think. It was like a flat four, but Kante was the was the one. Kante was sitting behind the four, and I think it was like Fabregas and Math. So essentially, he was the holding midfielder in a four-three-three, and it didn't work. And Kante was limited to this, like you know, player who never really, you know, he he certainly put out the fires in that space between midfield and defence, but never roamed from position, and was just not as not nearly as effective as he was with um, the season before with Leicester, and really showed when uh, when he changed the system. Came, came into his own. Wonder Kids. The weird thing, I don't know how to, because I think there's like two points I'm trying to make. I think one is the overuse of the word Wonder Kids and the other is just the general overhype of a player. Okay. So one is like just cheap, just casually saying that, oh, that player's a Wonder Kid and before he's even done anything in the game. And the other one is just seeing, I mean, it's quite similar, but seeing a player and be like, more, I think he's more specifically saying like, he's the next Ronaldo, he's the next Messi, when actually it should just be a case of like, this player looks promising and exciting, but let's just see how he develops. Who's a, who's a, who's a, who's like a wonder kid? Who would you describe as a... Bill Foden. Bill Foden. <clears throat> yeah. Um... Again, yeah, just like Phil Foden, like the the hype, and I worry that he could become another Jack Wilshere, where he's hyped up. He's like, oh my god, he's amazing. He's going to be. He's like the next Paul Gascoigne, and then mm. for whatever reason, he fails to sort of fulfil that potential. But so, so you think you think that? Um... No, not that because we hyped them, they don't fulfil the potential. But we've hyped them up to a point before they've even achieved anything in the game. So, so he's you, just go on. Yeah, well, I was gonna say. So you, you would essentially argue that, that like one that Wonder Kid is it? This is a question: Is Wonder Kid? Do, do non-football manager players use? No, this is what I said to you, Harry. This is why I wanted to change the like, word. Like, Ro, Ro, you don't you don't play football manager? Do you use the term Wonder Kid? No. Yeah, this, this is what I said in the thing in the chat. That you know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, first, superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I think at first, like with the points you were making, Edgar, I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, you're right with you know talking about everything regarding overhyping them or before they've even had a chance, or you know hyping them after not even giving them a chance or whatever." But you know, I think the, the actual word in Wonder Kid itself, like, it's kind of it describes it like. Jack Wilshire, he was a wonder kid. Like he was wonderful when he was younger. When he was a kid. He had all this promise. Oh, like a one like I wonder what happened to him, wonder kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder it. what happened to this kid. He was a wonder kid. Oh man. Like, yeah. Where's he going? Because one of my points was um that should should a player only be deemed a wonder kid or potential to be a world class player? Hmm. Um, once they make it so not because they could make it so it's almost retrospective so instead of saying that kid will become a wonder kid or a world class player it should be they were. looking back they have and yeah. yeah and they were because they've made it they've reached their potential sort of thing so would, would that would this sort of re- retroactively labelling them a wonder kid rather than doing it 
when they're either having yeah. friendship? Would that be for the benefit of the player or would it be the, like the benefit of just, I think it's, just... It's, yeah, I think it's for the, not for the benefit of the player because I think if you're a player and you can't deal with that pressure, then you're never going to make it. So you need to have that mentality. Yeah. But I think it's also just the case of maybe linking it in that we overhype so many plays that look how many of them have not made it. So mm, it's a case yeah. of only reserving that term for those that have actually made it. Mm. So instead of just cheaply... Right you know, go on, Rome. The rights reserved. Yeah, so it's like you only use that term if and when that play has actually reached their potential, not before it. So in your view then, Jack Wilshere, who would will have many times been described as a wonder kid is not a wonder kid because he failed to reach the potential yeah. that he promised. So he was a very promising player yeah. for his age. Yeah. But ultimately he's not a wonder kid because he never made it. Okay. Yeah. And for example, Phil Foden, it's we, we shouldn't we shouldn't yeah. describe yeah. him as a wonder it should kid. Be like, he's an exciting prospect that could yeah. become a, a very good player. But we can only deem it a wonder kid once he's reached that potential. What about Mbappe? Mbappe, I feel, is dipped Dip. in the last few seasons. Yeah, I think he's, along with PSG, I think has been quite disappointing. Um, I think he obviously the hype of the World Cup, um, and obviously at Monaco, he was very, very good. But I think until for me, he wins like a World Player of the Year or Ballon d'Or. I don't. I don't think he could score. He can do whatever he wants in France, but unless he does it on the world stage, unless he does it in the Champions League, unless he wins Ballon d'Or, I don't think he can be deemed to be world-class or a wonder kid. I think, yeah. I think he should... If, I understand with it being on the world stage, but I reckon it'd be more beneficial for him to, you know, progress if he was in another league other than the French League, because you know my thoughts for the French League anyway. So I don't particularly like it. Hashtag Farmers League. Yes, exactly. Even Neymar, it's something like Neymar. Look at what he's—he's. He's, he feel like he's fallen off the face of the earth. But it's, like but the, it's, it's almost like they've dropped the standards to the standard of the league. Yeah, but exactly. So is this not just because because of the way we perceive, um, you know, the 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 standard of that of the French league over there, and we and perhaps because we don't, um, you know, I know I know that we don't see much of um, La Liga, but but at least. The, in the in the zeitgeist of what we um, absorb in English in, in England, you see more La Liga and hear about La Liga and read more about La Liga and see more about La Liga. So maybe in if, when they're playing for PSG, you sort of subconsciously sort of look at that as a bit of a. I don't um, think it's me looking down on them. I think it's more, I yeah they they dominate the French league nine times out of ten. But I'm looking at it as when they come into competitions like the Champions League how well do they actually do in those competitions where they're facing the best of the best? Because that mm. is what the Champions League is. It's the best teams in Europe facing against each other to win that competition. So when I see them play, I see them having lackluster performances. They're not always top goal scorers. They're not dominating games. Mm. They're not doing the things that a player of their reputation and everyone's saying that they're world-class and all this. They're not doing that while you see Messi and Ronaldo, who are obviously phenomenons and... Mm like one in a billion in a generation or whatever, but they still do it on a consistent basis on the big stage. I think mm. that, that's probably my definition of a world-class player. It's, um, it's interesting with PSG, isn't it? Because they've seen, I mean, they've never, you know, obviously since, they're, since they um, come, come into a load of money, um, whenever it was, 20, 2011, 20, 2010 or something, um, they've not really, they've not really done, they've not really kind of, made that stride into yeah. we are a big European superpower yeah. of course they, they're one of the biggest teams but I, I always you know suggested that this was this was a problem that Man City have as well and I I, I almost very nearly said had because I think this this current tie you've got with Real Madrid such yeah. a shame that lockdowns happen and stuff because that I genuinely believe could have been a kind of coming of age moment mm. for City because I think you do it's not always the case but I think you do often find that um the, the sort of feel of a, around a club needs to um, that. How can I how can I express this? Like you, you need to um, um, you need some success in order to make yourself feel like you are the you are as good a, a club, club as you are. Yeah, like yeah. Ch Chelsea were quite 
fortunate, I think, because we, um, in the first year of, of Abramovich, we had, you know, we, we had that run in the Champions League where we beat Arsenal in the um, quarterfinals uh, and, you know, and avoided, you know, I think our, our group was quite, we got very lucky with our, with our group that year um, because, because we were very low and you know how it's, the groups are based on the coefficient ranking of the, of the clubs and obviously Chelsea not finishing high in the leagues would have usually been seeded low and probably would have got Real Madrid or, you know, Bayern Munich, but we avoided all those teams and therefore and good, had a good Champions League run. So by the time Mourinho came around, it was, I think, an easier transition to kind of say, look, we are this great team. But Man City particularly, when you guys had that, what was it, for about four or five years running? You, yeah. You're low coefficient. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had like every Bayern Munich and Barca every year, Real Madrid, Dortmund, yeah, all these absolutely. teams. And, it, and I think what that fostered was that, it, although you, you, it wasn't like you lost all those games, but often you would have a tough time in Europe. It kind of fostered this atmosphere. Yeah. Of, we're, we're, good, we're a good domestic team, but we're yeah. not quite ready for the big time yet. And I wonder if PSG, you know, suffer from that a little bit as well. They're yet to have that big kind of, you know, European, you know, coupled with big, you know, traumas like the the collapse against Barcelona a few years ago. Um, well, seven yeah, nil, yeah, and like, yeah, get you know, when, what was it last season? They got knocked out by um, Man United when they shouldn't have done. And yeah, yeah. you wonder whether you know they just have what you know a manager comes in or, or some some change happens that they can just get a foothold in in a, and make a, have a big Champions League campaign that maybe you know not just PSG but the likes of Mbappe and Neymar and and whoever else uh, Verratti and all these players suddenly make that kind of step up in terms of... Which manager do you think could achieve what you're saying, Has Could take them to that next level? I, I, it's, it's In hindsight, it sounds a bit silly to say it now, but I always say that when Mourinho went to... <laughs> Man, when, when he went to Man United, he should have gone to PSG that, that yeah. summer. No, I, I was thinking that, yeah. I, I, just, totally I just think that it would have been mutually beneficial because mm. he was slightly... The, the, the shine had slightly gone off him and Man United was always going to be a risk because, you, you know, the English press are going to be on you because you've just got sacked at Chelsea and all that stuff but PSG could have could have gone there he would have won the league so he could have always done his the Mourinho thing of claiming he's had success <laughs> and all that stuff and you know PSG are a very good side and all, you know probably all they need is that resiliency and that sort of you know doggedness to kind of go nah we're you know we're a, we're a better team than people think us against the world kind of stuff and um but now um oh, I mean, are you talking sort of somebody that I can that I would have to pick realistically? Uh, uh, you can do both. I think oh. Pochettino would be a perfect fit for him. Yeah, well, well yeah. Weirdly that's... enough, I feel Pochettino is a bit too nice for PSG. I feel I mean, <clears throat> not that he doesn't have that in him, but I don't know. He, he seems like the really nice uncle, <laughs> like a bit like Ancelotti as well. He's like yeah. the really nice guy that everyone gets on with. While well, I think. With PSG, they have a lot of big characters. That's why I think when you said Mourinho, I agree. But then I was like, oh, would Mourinho actually have fallen out with mm. a lot of the PSG stars with like the Neymars, maybe the Mbappe? I think with Pochettino, I could see him going in there and, you know, kind of nurturing, like you were saying, uh, Egby, you know, that, that kind of friendly, friendly uh, uncle figure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but use that to his advantage where he can understand these big, big team, yeah. well, big, big name players uh, like Neymar and maybe just help him on the way and then use the money to financially, because obviously we all, you know, everyone jokes that he'd never had enough money at Spurs, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, make, make very good investment uh, in the, in the team and, and play to a certain style. Because yeah. for me, whenever I think of PSG, I just think Neymar, and like he's just packed to the kind of like his team because he's just like a spoiled mm. brat at that, at that club. Mm. Like, what, what's that? What's that stat? He's always missed a certain period in the season, saying he's always been ill. But then if that that same weekend it's his sister or is it's oh, really? his mum's birthday, <laughs> he's never missed it. It's like the guy gets away with murder. He's like he's getting paid millions, and yet he demands that he has to see a family member on the birthday it's like you know you're in you're in a line of work where you know many people would give the life for they'd give them in anything for it and he's just there going no nah, i'm not playing this weekend lads go <laughs> you think pochettino is the type of guy i mean the only way that i can see pochettino 
doing that is by basically like appeasing the big characters. So would he then turn around and be like, Neymar, you don't have to lie. You can just tell us that it's your family member's birthday weather. We'll allow you to go. So he, do you think he might even encourage that sort of I think like, so. sort of selfish behaviour to the detriment maybe of other players? Yeah, I think so. Because then I think for him personally, he could then use that as ammunition when these players are not going to be potentially starting out each week. He can plan um, and prepare a team that are willing to be there. That you know, they yeah. they get pay, they get paid re- you know re- relentlessly throughout the year, whether on the bench or if they're injured. But ideally, as a manager, you don't want a player that's going, don't don't really fancying it today. You don't want a player that thinks that they're bigger than the club. Yeah. You want you want a team that want to be on the field and want to be playing for you. And want to be all playing the same kind of style of football, not. Oh, I'm better than this. I'm playing my style because I think that that's just the impression that I get with Neymar. So one thing that mm-hmm. I never really liked him as a player just because of his attitude mm-hmm. like that. But I think yeah. that, I think Poch could definitely do a really good job there. But it, it's difficult to know currently what kind of manager Pochettino could be. Obviously, because mm-hmm. I know I know Tottenham weren't like you know it's not like you know he was dealing with a, a club with no resources, but obviously he had to manage everything within um you know not having not being able to spend and not being able you know as as much as other big clubs but but i guess uh, pochettino's big thing at spurs particularly was the fact that he i think he sort of had a very good way of of keeping the entire club's feet on the on the ground the players you know i don't think anyone at the club felt they were bigger than the club i don't think anybody ever felt like you know they, they all you sort of got the impression that they all felt lucky to play for spurs even 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 harry kane in a way you know even though it was obviously mm. he's, he's a very good player but it's, i think he kind of fostered that that atmosphere so i, I yeah I, I wonder whether you know you, you you would you could argue he would clash or be unable to deal with the the big um you know, egos at, at PSG, or but, but because we've never seen him in that position to begin with, he may he may be the perfect guy to say, you know, look, this is this is this is a load of rubbish. You know, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna do things my way, you can leave. Um, I think financially for PSG, it'd be very beneficial for the club as well. After being in a, a position with Tottenham, where like you know, like we said earlier, that mm-hmm. not particularly getting the funding that he would have liked or wanted. Mm. And then obviously with PSG, they they seem to just throw money at people. Like if they want someone yeah. else to throw money at them, like they'll. But they won't obviously throw it all at once. Like I think it, is it with Mbappe, the even though the transfer fee mm. was dead high, that was spread over like three or four seasons or something like that. Yeah, they did it weirdly. So yeah, they they yeah, sort of loaned him, and then yeah, it was all a bit strange. But yeah, but yeah. I think I think you could definitely benefit him from not just like spending ridiculous amounts of money on, on players and and then just getting them in and not really particularly mm. playing a style. But just they've got players in, they've got great players, but they just don't seem to play that that style. I think he'd definitely be able to harness them and get them to play yeah. to the strength. I'm not blown away by Thomas Tuchel nah. or whatever. Uh, but and, and plus Poch is former former PSG player as well. So he you know he's got all that sort of he, he would hashtag know the club. Um, he gets it, lads. He gets it. Um, reference to an old podcast. Um, but no, I, I could see, um, I could see Poch. I could definitely see Poch going there. You see, he was linked with, been linked with Ben, supposedly in talks with Benfica this week. Really? Yeah. It's sort of a bit like you know. All right, Benfica, settle down, <laughs> lads. Like the bloke trying to pull a worldie in the club. Like, mate. what should? What do you think? Pochettino's next team should be so if let's say all for whatever reason all the big teams are available and they're like we want you who should you choose oh I, to be honest AC Milan oh rogue rogue, rogue. AC Milan <laughs> go on explain, explain that then that deserves an explanation I mean I've, when, when growing up watching the Champions League AC Milan at the time were you know massive giants and obviously with the <laughs> camera just fell off. <laughs> there you go. But I think obviously with the stadium that will be, you know, eventually the San Siro will be demolished. Yeah. Uh, you know, a new start 
with a manager like Pochettino who can build because he can sort of lead a a, yeah. a, a, a sort of control or delete restart sort of, sort of <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely I just I just think I'd like to see him at AC Milan I'd like AC Milan to kind of get back to that um, stature within the league and within Europe yeah the last the, the last few seasons Inter has been depressing isn't it the fact that they yeah. you know they're just so I mean Inter less so now obviously with you know Conte but you yeah. but I guess you know in, in a way Conte is a sign that may, again Inter aren't fixed by any sense but you wonder whether Conte is a is a sign that a good manager is enough to is you know can be enough to what to be what takes you to back to the top but sorry carry on um, but no I just think like in previous seasons they've always had like the odd one or two players that you know, play you know re- really well. Um, mm. and it gets kind of overshadowed by the bad performances of the team throughout the league. Um, I just think it'd be a good platform for him to to start from. Mm. Yeah, I could I could see that. I'd um, well I, actually well D- Dave, what do you reckon? I think I'm um, Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Be, I, think, yeah. perfect. I think they've got the infrastructure, they've got the players, they've got the support. I think he would be incredible. I think are they, be, are they not would, too like dogmatic and sort of I, I think he'll bring a balance. I think, yeah, like you said, I think there's obviously gonna be sort of the run over and the overspill from um Simeone, but mm. I don't know why I just think he'll be perfect there. I think they've they've got that great setup for him, that infrastructure. I think they spend money. Which yeah. has not been able to a lot at Tottenham when he was manager, and I think the players will really, really respect him, and I think he'll have a great affinity um, towards them as well as with the fans as well. So yeah, I think he'll do a great job at Atletico Madrid, and I think he'll like the rivalry as well with Barcelona and Madrid. Yeah. So like everything will be set up perfectly for him to do. I think a great job. Similar, Madrid. similar sort of vibe to Tottenham, where he's this sort of yeah. perennial third horse, and and you know. Yeah, could potentially go given upset. Um, tough, tough act to follow, though. I mean, you know, Simeone's not winning winning the league every year, but but mm. very beloved there. I think very um, different. I think that's what in, what's important. He'll put his own mark. He's not like a yeah, and and possibly could be the thing to sorry to cut you off. Put, could be the thing to you know because you could argue that link, yeah. yeah, Atletico have just failed to make that last. I know they ha- I know they did win the league and deserve to win a Champions League, but. They've failed to make that last step up to properly challenge. Possibly, yeah, Poch could be could be the guy. Um, I'm going to go the, the sort of complete opposite way and say, without the 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 caveat of him being a uh, an Espanola person, um, I'd say Barcelona. Um, yeah, I was I was thinking that, but I'll... I don't think he. I don't think obviously that the whole kind of you know Barcelona style wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be something that he would just slip into easily. But but as we're seeing with Kike Setien at the moment. Having a having a Barca a, I sound like Andy Tate now. Having a Barca style of play isn't uh, necessarily a guarantee of success there. But I think um, I it's similar similar sort of thing with with um, with AC Milan, but obviously less less obvious. I, I think Barcelona are in a bit of a an understatedly desperate need of a of a hard restart as well. I think they're kind of running on the fumes of the team that was that um that Guardiola built to be honest and um about the and, doomsday the doomsday clocks ticking yeah and 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 like I you know I I just think that Barcelona are usually pretty good at um I know that I know they chop and change managers but generally they they like you know they they can get behind managers who who and who have a project for them I think Pochettino would be good with that Pochettino has demonstrated he likes Spurs you know pre- pressing you know, pressing with energy and, you know, playing fairly fluidly. Um, and, you know, a lot of money. They've, they've definitely got, um, you know, big, big checkbook. But I think, you know, one thing Barcelona lack is that they're so reliant on the way that their system works that quite a lot of the time, particularly recently, a lot of their players as individuals really have underperformed. And if there's one thing that Pochettino has demonstrated that he's really good at is getting the very best out of maybe not so amazing players like you know Kieran Trippier Danny Rose Musa Sissoko um you know whoever whoever it might be um Min Son um and you know you just wonder with the likes of like you know Griezmann Dembele uh Coutinho if he stays there 
uh, you know, Frankie Dion, all these sorts of guys, whether he'd be the guy to kind of really kind of galvanize them and make them become, um, you know, something that they've, that they've been lacking. But um, why Barca and not Real Madrid? Just because I, I, I think that, and again, I, this isn't definitive with Poch because his career is so young, but I, I just think the the, I don't trust Real Madrid, Real Madrid to sort of be patient with him and, um, you know, it sort of feels similar to sort of thing to Man United. For the same reason why I, wouldn't, I don't think, I don't see why Pochettino is continuously linked with Man United. He is obviously the kind of person that prefers the idea of right. I'm here for I'm here for five years. I'm going to build a team for you. I mm. can't see Real Madrid putting up with if if he if he doesn't instantly get them wins. I can't see them putting up with him. Um, so you know, and I, I think that you know he, that was one thing he clearly you know, that made him stay for probably longer than he may have done at Spurs was the fact that he had this stability, supposed stability with, with Levy. Um, but, um, but do you know that Barca are having a similar mentality in Madrid where they're going through managers quite quickly and they're um, having less and less patience? Yeah, yes. I, I mean, yes, I, I, I suppose. Um, uh, yeah, I sort of wonder if they, you know, if they just haven't been, you know, they've just making been making bad appointments in the same way that mm-hmm. they've made a lot of bad signings recently. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't think of many clubs who've made as sort of have overspent on so many kind of players that haven't haven't really worked. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you might you may be right. Perhaps that they've demonstrated. And, you know, don't get me wrong, that's, that Setien bloke has only been there for a, for. for four or five months and they're already talking about getting rid of him. Yeah, if they um, don't win the league, I think they'll definitely slack him. 100%. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, who knows? Who knows how, how much he would, how would work. But I feel like it could, um, could be, it could be a place for him. Mm. Um, that, let me seg- segue into another question I'll, I'll put to you guys, um, which is, is Pep Guardiola going stale Ro do you want to start us off <laughs> I, have, I have reasons that I'll go into later but I, I'm not just putting that out and having nothing to offer <laughs> I can understand why um, I think I'm going to say no not, not yet there's certainly <laughs> Elements every now and again that you think mm, has he been kind of found out, or it's like same old kind of Guardiola, like there's new, um, there's new things that are occurring more often than they used to. Um, hmm. I'm just trying to think. I'd say it's it's not nec- I'm not necessarily looking for you to. To uh, it's it's not necessarily a rhetorical question, but it's not it's not a question that I think has a definitive answer. But I think no, it um, doesn't. You're right. I think that I think he's definitely (laughs) yeah. I I, I think there's certain aspects of his game that are that are becoming a bit stale. Mm. Um, Whether it be in his you know his press or his interviews or the way that he sets up his team or Sometimes, you know, mind games, saying things when <clears throat> don't need to be said. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but I think actual performances-wise, like, I think that I think it's just because of the, the, the high intensity of the play and the, the constant concentration of the players um, doing that, you know, almost every game. And mm. at the start, he would try and play near enough the same team if he could. Yeah. Um, whereas now, obviously, I know the season's been handed to Liverpool. It's been official now. <laughs> but the longer he stays at City, the longer I see that he's open to chopping and changing more often than not. Mm. Like he did it very, very loosely when he was at City. Like once he got got his team, um, he he either had the same players, mm. um, and the formation had changed or the formation would stay um, and there'd be like one or two different changes depending on, you know, fitness. Um, But yeah, I think maybe, I think maybe stale might not be the correct term. I think maybe it's just 
experimenting with you know potential positions, chopping and changing, getting regular time for for players. Yeah. I think he, he realised in his in his earlier season that you know you, <clears throat> as much as you want to rely on these players playing week in week out, you you can't. And not only that, you want to despite you know if we're in Europe next year or not. Um, you want to be a club that can play attractive football, but also uh, equal amount of game time between players. So you mm. more likely to attract someone like that than say someone going to Liverpool because you look at Liverpool and go, oh, "We're playing here off the same football, mm. the same rough team, few a few times changes here and there." Mm. Uh, I'm not going to get in. Like whereas with City, you could look at that and go. Yeah, great team. You know, tactics change quite often, or the setup of the team, and also you know squad rotation as well is is a lot more frequent. So that might be a bit more appealing for a player to go to to City than than to Liverpool. Yeah, and I think that maybe because of that, that's why it might be coming across as stale. <clears throat> it's um, it's sort of difficult because I I, I do on the one hand believe that. Um, I've mentioned it on podcasts before that like Tottenham um, City are slightly um, in danger of falling foul of that sort of um, cycle of, you know, teams going four year, three or four year cycles. And the team is largely the same team that Guardiola first built when he, when he first went there. Um, but the reason that, the reason I ask you, and I have to credit, um, this is a conversation I had with my dad, and I know he listens to these, so um, shout out Father Brent um, for this. He did, he did inspire this question. Um, but the, the 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 sort of reason being that, so obviously the, the the style of football that Guardiola had has, you know, in in many ways perfected, or at least you know imbued on the on the world of football. Um, is so universally totted out now by every single big club that 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 plays in the sense that everybody um, plays uh, sort of high pressing, um, uh, you know, uh, fast passing, um, you know, ticky tacker possession based stuff, playing out from the back and all that, all that sort of thing. Um, but um, because of the fact that everybody, don't get me wrong, they, they may not all do it to the same, with the same intensity and perhaps even the same um, success as Guardiola. But unlike three, four, five, six, seven years ago, Guardiola no longer has the system advantage of that, that he used to have. You know, he, he used to, because I think the belief of the system Guardiola has is this is the, the best way to to get your opposition um, to open spaces for you and therefore is the best way to, to open up spaces and you can score goals. But in some ways he's kind of lost that advantage because other teams, they may not play it as well as he does, but they, they now play it. Um, they, they now play that way to, to an extent. Um, and I, I just wonder, is he, is he possibly just kind of running out of ideas in the same way that Arsene Wenger, ran out of ran out of ideas um because wenger wenger had a, a similar sort of you know philosophical idea of how he wanted to play football he wanted uh you know he wanted everything to be fluid and he wanted every, you know arsenal to play a passing way um and you know suddenly uh you know somebody like Mourinho comes along and um you know plays a much kind of more rigid uh, rigid way and 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 wenger gets very sort of um obsessed with the idea of this is no this is how i want to play football this is this has been the thing that's worked for me for so many years um and for, for a, a while am i um, not wrong dave like arsenal refused to address the kind of rigidity issue and the defensiveness issue of their size and, and just kept didn't wenger keep playing this sort of you know um I want. I want to play constantly with fluid players. I want to play with passing players, and he, you know, he just never quite addressed the. Um, yeah, the, that was his downfall. Well, towards yeah. the end of his career, and, his stubbornness. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm not saying that Guardiola necessarily has demonstrated anything like that stubbornness, but I wonder, given that particularly the the Barcelona style is is that there isn't a plan B. That's kind of the that's kind of their big mantra is you never change the way that you're playing. You don't lump it because we always believe in what we do. Maybe Guardiola has this obsession with like um eleven midfielders essentially or ten midfielders. 
for the um, you know by using ten midfielders, everyone can pass the ball, but perhaps he's losing um, you know the ability to have proper defenders or proper goal scorers and stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I just I just wonder whether you know does 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 Guardiola need to adapt? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Is Guardiola growing stale? But does does he need to adapt in the sense that? Um, and again, I apologise because I'm rambling here a little bit. But um, particularly the way I, it isn't just that other teams have developed uh, Guardiola style. It's also now that teams know know how to effectively defend against that. In that they just you, you park yourself on the edge of the box, you retreat, and you and you and you make literally no space between the lines, like basketball. You know, you just sit on the edge of the box. And I just wonder: is are we at the stage? Are we seeing a stage now where we've the world has finally worked out how to kind of combat and counter tiki taka? And you could argue that it's it's Klopp's way of doing it. You know, using the fullbacks, using um, uh, you know, quick transitions using industrious midfielders as opposed to technical ones. Um, and is is it? I'm not saying Klopp's style is necessarily better than Guardiola's style, but it, like Mourinho's style was to Wenger, Klopp's is a counter to the way Guardiola plays. And is it now up to Guardiola to adapt to the way that you know adapt to the changing the, the changing uh, you know of the of the world and 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 see that his style might need to be updating, or is it just that City? need a bit of a reshuffle and his way is the best i think it's two things i mean it's a tough one because obviously prior to this season obviously last season they just beat out liverpool and winning the league and they won the league the season before that so they were doing something right um with this season i think the team needs a bit of a revamp i think i think there are key positions that i think are key to the way guardiola wants to play that i don't think he has the right personnel for mm. i think ultimately that's in the fullback positions yeah so like mm. you're obviously not the biggest fan of kyle walker but i think the right back and left back are obviously key positions mendy i think he'll sell or want to sell so you need a new quality left back there my, um, my patience is growing quite thin of- <laughs> yeah i'm sure it's the same with pep as well and i think the big one, and I'm surprised he didn't rectify this, was bringing a replacement for Vincent Company. I think obviously Laporte is doing great. Like Everyone loves him and he's, he's a very good sense of that. But I think you lost a very, very key component to not just the club, but I think to the way Pep wants to play yeah. by losing Vincent Company and by not replacing him. But do you, do you not think that Guardiola's fail, perhaps one of Guardiola's failures because obviously he inherited company, but the, the, the defenders that he's bought, Otam, uh, did he buy Otamendi? Otamendi, or was that Pellegrini that bought Otamendi? Okay, but um, he bought, he bought Laporte, though, he, he bought Laporte, is... he bought John Stones, um, and, Mendy. And, but you, you wonder, you know, maybe he, it was, you know, he, he because he, because as, as I mentioned before, his obsession with having basically players that can purely be technical. Mm. Um, players and don't get me wrong last podcast I talked about how that's that's the way centre-backs are mm. but maybe is it is it not his kind I, I understand what you mean that yeah there, there are certain gaps in the team that haven't been um, filled but is it his you know obsession with with his style that have led to those gaps opening up at all particularly in the case of company I think <laughs> go on bro I wouldn't say so I think I just think that maybe Obviously, we it's a mixture of. I wouldn't say it's him making uh, the mistake or you know the, he's the, he's at fault for it, because you've got John Stones, very injury prone. Mm. If he's got a cold or a flu, he'll you know he won't play. Um, you know Mendy, he's had his issues and. Otamendi, he's you know he's kind of past it. He, he should have gone a couple of seasons ago in my eye. Mm. Um, I just think these players that he's put all this faith and trust in have you know, with it being very unfortunate that they've been injured. I think they've just not been able to hit the ground running and find a good patch of form um, to, to kind do, of justify. Do you, guys, do you guys? Sorry to to cut you that. There, do you guys believe that? Um, Guardiola football is fundamentally the, the the best in the sense that you know if you were to drop players at random into a 
Guardiola team and then a non-Guardiola team, the, you know, in the sense of style and stuff, would the Guardiola team always come out on top generally because it's a better way of playing, or is it just you know, is it just something? Is it just that he's you know happened to have quality players wherever he's gone, you know, a lot of money wherever he's gone. I'm not suggesting that he's he, not one of these people that thinks Guardiola is only successful because of his money, but I just wonder whether you think that. Um, do you, do you think his style is is better than any other style out there than Klopp's, for example? I, I think they're very different. I think as an Arsenal fan, they always absolutely spunkers. So I'm obviously going to say that it's a very That's very most good teams though, style most good teams. <laughs> but I think it's it's a style that works for Pep and has worked. I think when we talk about his teams, we forget that they're not only one competitions and, and, and games they, they dominated mm-hmm. and yes you can say it's because of the personnel that he had that if anyone had those players they would do very well but I think the style of play and just the, the way they played in the game and how they won games I think probably hasn't been seen before but to, just to that excellent level I think Klopp's is different Klopp's is obviously more of an intense sort of like you said it is sort of like almost the antithesis of of Pep's play, Pep's is very like slow, patient build up, you know, look for holes and, and then you sort I of think it's, it's, the, it's the perfect foil. It's the ideal foil. It's the, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's, well, it's perfectly suited to, to counteract. Well, I mean, not just Pep, Pep's system, but obviously in general, yeah. in terms I think, of, because, because Guardiola, sorry, I was going to say, I think we will only really know whether um, Pep's gone stale next year. So we've seen how Paulie's team have done this year. You mm. see that there are massive gaps in his team that need to be filled. Mm. Seeing that there are players that are just are not good enough to be at that team. Mm. So I think we'll be able to really like explicitly be able to answer it next year because we're going to see right. whether he adapts, evolves, yeah. gets the plays in that he needs to. And then if, let's say, City win the league, then we'll be like, oh, of course he's not still. That was just a one Exactly, yeah. It's, it's an interesting time right now, isn't it? Because it's obviously mm. the, the, the fact that um, Liverpool was so good last year, but City were, you know, still still beat them to the title. But the fact that Liverpool have have now stayed there and, and City have dropped down, um, if he does... Because I, I do think that fundamentally the way that, the way that Guardiola play, plays, particularly the strength of his side, but the way that he plays will beat your your average set of players but I, but I just wonder whether um, you know with the way that with the way that Klopp is particularly against some um, somebody like Klopp um, he may need to find another solution because as I say I think it, it is the end it is the perfect foil for uh, for him um, and I just want I just I, I guess you know in the same way that when Antonio Conte came into the Premier League and he played this three three at the back system and no one else played it and Chelsea were not amazingly strong that year. It was purely that, I mean, this is my belief, it was purely that system that won us that league and we went on that 13-match run. And I think basically, because no one, no one for a long time worked out how to counter it. They were like, this is a system that we don't recognise. Everybody plays 4-2-3-1, what's going on? And uh, we suddenly started playing this and it was opening up spaces that people really didn't know how to stop until the next season when people suddenly worked out, ah, that's you know that's how you do it, and you know a certain section of you know ability to defend and mark certain players and all that sort of stuff. And I you know I I would argue that the same could happen with Liverpool, like Watford and both Watford and Chelsea this season have done really good jobs of man marking the fullbacks, which completely mm. takes Alexander Arnold and Robertson out of the game. Um, but in the sense, my point being that yeah, I think that, like systems systems are effective, and then people find solutions to 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 stop the effectiveness of that system if Klopp has found a solution to 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 Guardiola's system or an effectiveness to, to that is it I'll just be interesting to see if Guardiola can mix it up a little bit and 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 find his find his way back uh, to the top yeah it's definitely about I think it's the, who's the most adaptable I think mm few years Pep was on top and then Klopp obviously had to adapt now it seems that Klopp might be on top for a while and it's up to Pep to adapt yeah. his style so still be that mm-hmm. style of play at its essence but be able to have a bit of leeway and a bit of fluidity to counteract it sort of thing yeah I think the biggest thing for for Pep is to completely do well not a complete reshuffle but completely invest time um 
into signing the right people that will be in defence, that will mm-hmm. play into this. Because let's think about Liverpool's as a team. They've got obviously have Allison, very strong, very you know confident, good with the ball. And then you got Van Dyke, Robertson, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Like the, all, all three of them have just been in incredible form nearly all season. You, you look at City. Who's been in form for the back of us? No one, because the injury or, you know, just chopping and changing between the players. I think he just doesn't have a, a solid back four or solid defence that he can rely on at all times. And I mm. think that's come back to bite him in mm. the latter stages of the season. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, interesting. How do you think um, Conte's... Premier League winning team would have held up against Klopp's? Oh, it's tough to tell. I mean, well, um, firstly, they, they did fair against them because Klopp was there. But um, no, well, I, I mean, like, like that wasn't. I, I, I take your point. I'm just being a dick. Um, <laughs> you big silly. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you wind up merchant. <laughs> I think, uh, oh, it's very difficult to know. The, the issue, the issue, I mean, the, in my first instinct is to say that obviously that they're. They're um, matching Liverpool for numbers in terms of going forward. That the 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 full the Chelsea's fullbacks could have marked Liverpool's fullbacks, and and obviously the three at the back means mm-hmm. that you can keep an eye on all, on on the the spaces that Salah and Mane are going to be getting into, um, and um, having Matic. And anyway, but but I, I think the strength of that Conte system was that the wing backs were very attacking, and I don't think that I think mm-hmm. you've, what you found a lot of the time was. Um, when we were having games, particularly in the second season, when we had games when you forced the fullbacks to defend, which is what a lot of people, did, a lot of um, teams did to to counter it, we were completely like, um, you know, uh, like someone kicked kicked the knees out of us. Um, to be honest, I, I think you think the same would happen with, to an extent with with Klopp if you if you reduce the ability of his fullbacks to to influence the game, mm. then you take a lot of prowess out of it. But but ultimately, to answer your question, they I think they get they'd probably get beaten. I don't I say this as a Chelsea fan. I don't think that team was was especially amazingly strong. Um, I think we had a very good run because we had a system that people couldn't work out. But we were by no means the strongest. Um, they they do okay, but I, but I I would imagine that Liverpool. Particularly with the way that they um, bring our, um, you know, our, our, to stop to stop them, you'd have to have our wing backs uh, coming back, and that would really isolate whoever you would need up there. Hazard and I guess Costa. Once again, thank you very much for joining us here at Edge of the Box Football Podcast. Uh, as you may have noticed, uh, we were a man light in the trenches today. We were missing um, our very good friend. Mr. Ashley O'Hara but don't worry Edge of the Box pod fans he will be back next week Uh, and again feel free to let us know whatever you think give us your thoughts Uh, find us on Twitter at Edge of the Box pod and we'll catch you all next week bye bye